let's bring in a 14-year NBA vet, NBA champion with the Golden State Warriors back in the 2016-2017 season, and has a fantastic broadcast career going as well, too. You've seen him on ESPN, The Jump, back in the day, now with the Sacramento Kings on NBC Sports California, and all the Smoke podcast, which you can see on Showtime as well. And I got to say, my guy from Sacramento and the recent inductee to the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, my guy Matt Barnes in the house. What's going on, MB? Man, TC, how you doing? I just got off the uh, golf course out here in San Diego. Now I'm uh, running a little late, headed to my kids' uh, basketball tournament down here in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying to get a little pleasure in, you know, with uh, you know, with the family and stuff like that. I get that. Yeah. You know. I mean, I got I got six kids, so I got to try to you know find my time uh, whenever I can. <laughs> I appreciate you joining us, but here's the big question, man. I mean, how'd you shoot today? Oh, a 94. Not too good, but not terrible. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. So at least uh, you had some good weather, though, and, and you got on the course, yeah. man. That's, that, what's that's all what I said. The best thing the best thing about today was the weather down here in San Diego. It's beautiful. All right, man. Hey, Matt, uh, 14 years in the NBA. You've made a great transition into the TV side. Give our listeners a little background about how all of that you know, came came to fruition here because I mean, we we saw you on the hard court. You know, one of the greatest, fiercest competitors out there, not only in in the NBA but in in college as well. And then I think you know, for a lot of people, they say, "Wow, I didn't know Matt Barnes had those kind of chops, man." Especially when you know they saw you nationally on ESPN, and then now everything that you're doing with the Kings, man. And I got to say, man, it's been quite a transition. So just talk a little bit about that. Um, it really came out of nowhere, to be honest with you. Um, never really had any, any, you know, goals to transition into media. Uh, big cannabis, uh, uh, advocate. So that was my first thing coming out of the NBA was wanted to help, you know, hopefully be a small part of change. Flying out to New York often to meet with the MBPA and the NBA just about, you know, loosening their, their policies and, and starting to study the plant. Um, while I was doing that, I had a friend of mine who was uh, an agent, and she used to always tell me, like, you know, you're always so well-spoken in your interviews, you should try sports media. And, I, you know, I kind of turned her down a few times, and then one time I was just like, all right, I'll give it a try. Um, did it, loved it, and, you know, <laughs> from there, I've kind of been off and running. So, you know, really owe a big thanks to her um, to kind of just continuing to push me because she saw something that I didn't know I had. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's turned out really well so far. You know, for former players that go into the media, as you know, some players and coaches don't really like that. And they'll they'll keep certain things, you know, behind closed doors. And, you know, I'm sure you went through that as a player as well, too. And generally, a lot of players really don't care for, you know, certain members of the media. Uh, have you gotten any of that since you... you basically have been in the media like from players or coaches like oh man you know now don't be asking me that and this and that and and how have you had to deal with that aspect of it uh luckily um and i think it's because people kind of know you know who i am and what i'm about you know i wear my heart on my sleeve um you know i'm straight to the point i don't really sugarcoat anything and i'm, I'm far from perfect you know I, I you know so i try to be as relatable as possible um you know ESPN, obviously working with ESPN is different than the freedom I have with my show with Showtime and all the smoke. So, you know, being able to kind of walk that fine line when we're doing, you know, 
something like an ESPN or Fox, but then, you know, kind of let your hair down, so to speak, when you're with, uh, when, when I'm doing my Showtime show. So I really kind of feel like it's all about the way you frame a question. You know, we can ask the same question and get two completely different answers based off the way we frame it. And I always keep in mind that although I have transitioned into media, I was a player first. Mm-hmm. So I don't do anything or, or try to, you know, tempt you or, or, or ask questions that I know that I wouldn't want to be asked. You know, I ask questions that are to get to know more about you. You know, obviously you do have to ask the tough questions and sometimes critique former players, but I think there's a way to do that without disrespecting. And I feel like today's, some of today's media, you know, they see the loud, outrageous takes that go viral. And I've never really been someone that, that, that wanted to go viral for getting someone to, tricking someone into saying something that could, you know, cost them down the road. You know, I want to go viral for having authentic, real conversations. So, you know, to answer your question, I haven't really faced any kind of negativity or, no, I don't want to talk to him or why are you asking me this kind of question because I always keep in the um, player for I was a member of the media and, and, and I really honor my friendships more than I do trying to get, again, someone to flip and say something wild. Yeah, and I think you're right. And where a lot of that comes from is where player, you know, the critiquing part and especially when you're on that that national stage or the worldwide stage that you were on ESPN that, yeah, you, you have to, you know, tell it like it is. And if you got to be critical and like I said, I think, and I, I go through that myself too. There's a professional way that, to go about it. And I think, you know, overall, I mean, you've also gained the respect of fellow players and coaches as well too on the way you've handled that. And I, I think and that, that's a big piece of it as well too. Well, definitely. Again, I think it's very important to have the trust, you know, being a former athlete. I mean, this is, and again, I don't want to blanket cover, but you know, there were some media members that would, no matter what you say, they would spin the narrative or, or, or make it fit whatever they're trying to fit. And you know, that again, that's never really been my MO, you know, my MO, you know, whether I'm working for ESPN, um, having to critique or again, sitting down on my own show and asking questions is just to humanize these athletes. Because I, I know now we live on, you know, everyone knows why Steph is great. Everyone knows why KD is great. But what is he like when he's not being great on the court? That's always the side that I want to show people because I know that side. And I think obviously all these players are amazing in their own ways. So I always wanted to be able to kind of pull back the layers and make these guys feel comfortable enough to share stuff about their personal life that obviously isn't, you know, too private, but also lets people in on kind of who they are outside of being the great actor, entertainer, athlete, you know, that they are. Right. When you played as a player, what was your viewpoint of the media? Um, bittersweet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, there are sure. some, there are some people that, you know, that, that, that report facts and straight up to you, look you in the eyes, don't lie, don't twist. But then again, there are people that have, you know, a job to do. And I, you know, I always respect that, you know, people have a job to do, whether it's a job that I like or not, you know, twisting stuff or, you know, creating stories. Um, so there was, you know, a thin line between, you know, me being respectful to everyone, but also knowing that, you know, there's some people that I feel more comfortable sharing stuff with and some people that I'll be very surface with because I know in the past that they've either twisted something I've said or twisted something that a teammate or a fellow colleague in the NBA has said. So, you know, everyone kind of has a, everyone kind of understands who is who in this space. And, and again, there are some people that, you know, obviously with comfortability becomes, you know, more open to kind of sharing our true thoughts, but you know, sometimes you just have to stay surface because, again, you get fined if you don't end up talking to him overall in general. Right. Matt Barnes joins us uh, talking about uh, his career, especially here in the media. Uh, all the smoke, uh, you and Steven Jackson. Talk a little bit how that came about 
And like you said, it's a great forum. It's a very unique uh, platform. Talk about how that all started for you. Um, it, 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 it kind of transpired organically. You know, we were both working for ESPN and Fox respectively and kind of trying to figure out, you know, we're getting great feedback when we first started doing like, you guys are real, you guys are authentic, you guys need to do something together. And it was really more the fans that were kind of telling us that at first, you know, you guys need to do something together. You guys are dope. You guys are this, you guys are that. So, you know, obviously, you know, being brothers, um, you know, I sat down, we were at my house in the Bay one time watching a game and I'm just like, let's do a podcast. And he's like, what's a podcast? I was like, I'm not sure what a podcast is, but I know we could, you know, we can, we, we can smoke and maybe have a drink. And he's like, Oh, okay. I'm in, I'm in it. You know, and again, not really knowing too much what it was, but wanted to create, you know, when I thought of the idea of all the smoke, I feel like some of the greatest conversations, whether you're an athlete, celebrity, or just a sports fan or in the man cave, you know, sit back the game with your buddies sitting back and talking sports i feel like those you know the old barbershop talks so i wanted to be able to put a camera on something like that so um you know that was my idea i had through a friend i met um people at showtime and they were starting showtime basketball so one of the uh second in charge the vice president of showtime sports flew out to uh la to meet me it was a 15 minute cold pitch on just my vision and and, and what i wanted to do loved the idea but initially they didn't want Steven Jackson they didn't really understood understand where he fit in the equation and you know they're like okay we're all set on you and you know this is what we want to do with you and I'm just like well it's not just me it's you know it's it's Jack too and it took him a little bit to warm up to the idea of, of who he was and what he was about because again he you know I think there was a misconception of who he was obviously when he played as well so I think they were a little hesitant probably similar to that they were hesitant on me but I told them, hey, you know, without him, there's no me. We're a pack. Um, ended up agreeing. And our first year together, we went out and, and, and won sports podcast of the year. And, and we were off and running from there. You know, it's funny, Matt, because you just described uh, a, a night out with myself and Bill Cartwright when we get together. It is it's automatically, it is cigars. I mean, you're smoking yep. something different. We're smoking cigars <laughs> and scotch. And, and, and some yep. of the best conversations are under that umbrella uh, in that Absolutely. forum right there. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you came back to Sacramento. You played with the Kings back in the day, your hometown team. Now you're broadcasting their games. How has that been for you? It's been great, you know, to be able to come back to the town that kind of made me who I am, the man I am, shaped me, both good and bad. <laughs> and, um, you know, to come back around, you know, obviously a 16-year drought. This current team was able to break that last year. Um, and I just really love where this young team is going. Um, you know, Mike Brown is solidified and kind of built a foundation. Uh, I think he, uh, you know, I had Mike Brown early on when he was at the Lakers. <laughs> Uh, didn't go too well, but I think he learned a lot when he made that pit stop in Golden State alongside Steve Kerr and all those great players and really kind of brought that pedigree um, to Sacramento. So I think they took the league by storm last year. They were kind of the darlings of the league, but now the world is ready for them. So, uh, again, there's no sneaking by or sneaking up on anyone anymore. Sacramento is a team to be reckoned with. And um, overall, it's just a great reason to, to, to be back in SAC, to see my family, to see my friends. And to, you know, be a part of a, a, a franchise that I grew to love as a child. So now also you have got a new broadcast partner that is very close to, to my heart and here in Vegas. Chelsea Gray has joined this team now, right? Yes. So yes, Chelsea. There you go. Yes. So talk about uh, uh, talk about how that's worked out. 
excited. I haven't got a chance to work with her yet. We also added Mike Bibby, you know, a, yeah. a Sacramento favorite. Yeah. Um, so I haven't got a chance to work with either one of those uh, respective journalists, but I'm excited to. Obviously a big fan of Chelsea and what they've been able to do in Las Vegas uh, with the Aces. And I just think it's great to add diversity. Um, and, 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 and players who obviously a current player and her and then, you know, myself and Mike Bibby, both uh, former players, just to give that perspective. You know, I always, you know, my whole thing when I was working with ESPN was I would work alongside the greats of Stephen A. Smith and Rachel Nichols, and as good as they are, they can never really give that player's perspective. What is it like to hit a clutch free throw? What is it like in the locker room when you're getting blown out at halftime? So I always really hung my hat on giving – the, the audience, the, the perspective uh, of a player. And, you know, obviously mix a little analytic in there. So, you know, obviously that's transferred over to working with the Kings, giving insight and, you know, kind of giving a, a, a guesstimation on, hey, you know, they're down 17 at half. You know, what is Mike Brown talking about in the locker room? You know, I can, you know, kind of have a better idea than someone who's never really been in the locker room. So, again, I love it that, that, that players are transitioning more into media. Um, and giving fans, you know, just that, that other side of, you know, what it's really like to lace them up and, and play on the biggest stages. I've seen you in town here at Aces Games. Give me your viewpoint of the Aces and the WNBA and the growth of this league. I really want to, you know, obviously rest in peace to my brother Kobe Bryant. I really think Kobe, there was a lot of obviously WNBA fans, but it was kind of quiet. You know, not that we are uh, embarrassed to admit it, but I think Kobe got out there and started representing the game for the female um, really hard, going to the games, taking his daughters to games, coaching Gigi, and really letting them know, hey, like, these girls can play. You know, it's something that I knew because I'd been a WNBA fan, but, you know, I really think the push from him got me out to Aces games, got me out to Sparks games, and really kind of showing – not, you know, not being a fan from behind the scenes, but being a fan in person. And, you know, obviously we had the, 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 the uh, pleasure of having Kelsey Gray on the, uh, excuse me, uh, Kelsey Plum on the show, and we just had Asia Wilson on the show. So, you know, really just kind of giving these girls the opportunity and the platform to speak their truth, speak their side, and, and really kind of help grow the game any way possible so i'm actually uh in the works with kelsey plum about you know helping her put a show together yeah. um under all the smoke productions and asia also said she's interested in getting in into this media space too so you know not only are we giving them an opportunity to sit down and interview but also you know taking that next step of, of, of really helping them build a platform and inspiring young girls across the world to hey you know if they can do it we can do it and, and you just rattled off, I mean, two of the best, and we'll throw Chelsea Gray in there as well, three of the best as far as just, uh, you know, coming out, and especially Asia and KP, of, of uh, being able to articulate and have that personality. I mean, some of my best interviews are, are, are with those two. They're fantastic. And as we know firsthand, Matt, I can tell you, KP can smoke a cigar with the best of them. So be ready for that, okay? Hey, they go hard. I mean, their their celebrations are legendary. You know what I mean? We asked them about it too. I mean, the the champagne, the yep. cigars, I'm lightweight cigars will knock me out. So yeah. you know, <laughs> seeing seeing where they go, and again, you know, just just to to celebrate the women's game. I think there's a knock on the women's game because obviously they're not as athletic as men are. But I'll be the first to argue that they're just as skilled, if not more skilled, because they don't they can't get away with the athleticism that some players in the NBA get away with. You know, some some players in the NBA hang their hat on purely athleticism, and, and and the fact that some of these women obviously aren't as athletic as men. I mean, they have to be more skilled 
you know what I mean? So, again, I've always been a big fan of the game, particularly big fans of those two women we just mentioned and, and, and what they've been able to do and represent for their game. Uh, uh, we're going to have more Matt Barnes sightings at the Amicola Ultra Arena then, my friend. That's fantastic. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Kobe. Uh, you guys were very, very close, and a lot of our listeners may not realize that, but just talk a little bit about Kobe and what he meant to you. I know you guys were teammates, but it went beyond that, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it started off as a, you know, Kobe used to come up to UCLA, you know, early on. I got there in 98. He got the Lakers in 96. There was an early disconnect. He was so young, so we would always see him just wandering around campus like, is, is that Kobe Bryant over there? And he would be up there eating, working out, playing, you know, got a chance to know him. I wouldn't call it a friendship at that time. I just, you know, he was up there and, you know, got a chance to work out with them and play with them. Um, you know, fast forward to the league, you know, getting a chance to see him and play against him a lot. He was, he was the target. I missed MJ by a year. Um, so being able to go against Kobe, he was the benchmark, obviously. And, um, you know, to go from competitors to obviously that Orlando Magic situation uh, where I ball faked him kind of changed everything. And everyone thought that, you know, we hated each other after that but not necessarily knowing that 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 particular moment is what brought us together you know uh he called me that summer after they had won a championship and and we had lost in the eastern conference final to boston when i was with orlando and asked me what i was doing i was in between talking to the orlando magic and possibly going to the miami heat as they were you know getting their big three together but being a California kid, I grew up Showtime Lakers. And, uh, you know, Kobe asked me if I wanted to, to be a Laker. And I was like, hell yeah. And he said, anyone up crazy enough to F with me is crazy enough to play with me. And literally three days later, I was a Los Angeles Laker. So we went from, obviously, competitors to teammates to brothers. You know, uh, he was coaching his daughter, Gigi, uh, who was two years older than my twins. And we would always catch each other because he was in Orange County. So most of the time, all the tournaments are out there in Orange County. Um, you know, we became really close. He would call me and ask me, like, hey, what time are the boys playing? Sometimes we'd play two or three hours before um, they would. But there's Kobe there. At the time, the kids, the twins were like eight years old, my sons. And he would come two or three hours early to watch them play. And then, obviously, we would repay the favor and go back and watch Gigi play when we were done. So really just became really close um from that opportunity and then you know obviously tragedy struck a few years ago and um you know still really close with his family his mom his dad his sister uh vanessa talked to her often so you know just really an unfortunate situation and you know i say the you know the world lost a basketball player but la lost a superhero so um really unfortunate situation yeah well put my friend you played with all four California teams. I think you could be the only guy that, that has done that. And here's the thing. All of those teams had some bitter rivalries and maybe still have some bitter rivalries. You played with the Lakers, like you said. You played with the Kings. You won a championship with the Warriors. Talk a little bit about that championship team and that run because I know you built some strong uh, you know, some ties with, with guys like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Uh, just a, a, a pure pleasure you know i got onto that team uh mid-season uh right after the uh right after the all-star break and just to see a team with that much talent but when i was there no egos everyone checked their egos at the door um you know between clay uh, clay thompson draymond green steph curry kevin durant andre Iguodala, you know a rock star and steve kerr um the goal was to win and it didn't matter who got in there uh 
um, you know, on my way out. The only thing that really hurt me was, uh, you know, the fact I got hurt a week before the playoffs started and wasn't healthy in the playoffs and didn't really get a chance to play. But again, to kind of be a fly on the wall and be a veteran on that team and, you know, talk guys through some tough times and, and, and get to spend time with just one of the greatest teams ever assembled, uh, it's something that I'll always remember. You know, some people could say that you were kind of a misunderstood guy as a player, and we hear that a lot with Draymond Green. Speak to that point about what Draymond is all about as a teammate, as a person. I think what makes Draymond great is sometimes what is his downfall. It's his passion, his heart, his his ability to walk a fine line at times, but also step over it. And I was a similar person and player, so I completely get where he's coming from. I think of late, I think he realizes, I don't think anyone needs to tell him that he needs to reel it back in uh, because he's hurting his team. But, you know, for those that say, you know, look at his numbers, he's this, he's overrated, he's that. Those teams, and Steph Curry and Clay will be the first one to tell you, Steve Curry will tell you, those teams don't win championships without what Draymond Green brought to that team. I mean, he held the whole team down, really took the persona and, and, and pushed the organization into one of the greatest organizations um, there. You know, obviously Steph Curry is the poster child for the game and, and for that team, but anybody over there will tell you that, you know, none of those banners are hung without Draymond Green's present on and off the court. No doubt. Matt, we'll close with this. Uh, with your first stint with the Warriors, I know that you had said that, hey, if uh, you didn't make this squad, you were going to give up basketball and give up the NBA and try to latch on with the NFL team. Now, for those that don't know, you were one of the, the best two-sport players coming out of high school. Heck, you could have played football, uh, whether it was a wide receiver, tight end, or whatever it was. Heck, maybe even quarterback, you know, back in the day. But talk a little bit about that, given that serious consideration to go to the NFL. Yeah, I just wasn't really getting an opportunity at the beginning of my career. You know, um, out of the G League, went to the Clippers, uh, played well there, was going to sign a two-year deal there, but then I was in the summertime working out back at home with Chris Webber and the end of those great Sacramento Kings teams. So I went, instead of going back to the Clippers and taking the guaranteed money, I went out on a whim and, and, and you know, Rick Adelman and brought me into training camp and I had to make that team. I, was, again, I had a guarantee with the Clippers, but put it on because we were terrible. That Clippers team was so bad. And this is when Sacramento was still in the mix. So I went out and made that Sacramento Kings team. Uh, but then, unfortunately, got traded with C-Webb. And from there, in Philly, didn't really get a chance to play for two whole years. And it was just kind of really up in the air what was going on. But, again, you know, being an All-American in high school in football and really being a better football player than basketball player, um, I gave myself one more year. You know, okay, this is going to be my last year. If, if, if it doesn't go well, I'd already alerted my agents. He had about six to eight NFL teams that were ready to give me a tryout. A random day. At home in Sacramento in the summertime, college teammate Baron Davis calls me up. Hey, we're you know we're playing some pickup down here at Golden State. About an hour and a half drive, I went down there, played really well that day, not knowing that Don Nelson was watching us. And uh, after uh, after that pickup, you know Nelly came down. Hey, where are you going to camp at? I was like, to be honest with you, sir, I don't know. He's like, we have. He said we already had 16 people plus two more camp invites. He's like, I can't guarantee you anything, but you come out here and play like you did today, I'll give you a chance. And, you know, as a player, all you need to hear is, you know, someone that believed in you, one of the first coaches that believed in me. I went there, ran through everybody who was trying to make the team, made the team, played well enough 
that they felt like they can trade Mike Dunleavy and Troy Murphy for Steven Jackson and Al Harrington. And, again, that team, that was the We Believe team that ended up making NBA history. So I was really on the border. If that, if that summer never happened, uh, I really probably wouldn't have had an NBA career, and, and, and we would have been flipping a coin to see if I was going to be able to, you know, dust off my old high school skills and, and possibly make the NFL. So um, crazy story. It ended, up, it ended up working out for the best, but there's not a day that doesn't pass that I don't think about what I could have did in, in the NFL. And always, you know, when people say, oh, I could have did this, I, I respect professional sports to the utmost. I know how tough it is, but I was a 6 eight receiver who ran a 4-3-9 had a 39-inch vertical, who could really catch, who could really run routes. And you, you saw the way I played in the NBA. I was a football player at heart. You know, I felt like I was a, I was a, an, a football player that, that played 14 years in, in, in the NBA. So I was really a football guy at heart. Um, but there's not a day that doesn't pass. Like, you know, what would have happened if I would have went out there, whether it be tight end or a wide out, and, and, and what I could have did out there. But, again, you know, God. God, you know, made me into, a, you know, an NBA player, and, and it worked out. But, uh, you know, definitely a huge football fan. And every Sunday, everyone knows, don't bother me because I'm in there watching every game possible. But who's your team, man? 49ers. There it I'm, is. You know, I'm a North Carolina guy. So yeah. I've, I've been a 49er fan since the, uh, you know, since the early 80s, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, you know, really high on this team this year, and, and hopefully they can get back to glory uh, behind Brock Purdy. All right, man. I want to know, I want to know what what number Matt Barnes would have chosen if, if he was a 49er or anywhere in the NFL. What what are you wearing, man? Uh, I was numbered, so I was a huge Randall Cunningham fan. Yeah. I started off in high school as a quarterback, but then I went to wide receiver. So uh, I was a but you know they, obviously they allowed uh, receivers to kind of start switching and wearing. So I probably would have been a team number. May have just may have just kept number 12 because that was a uh, good look for me in high school. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, the way uh, the numbers change over the last couple of seasons, yeah, you might be able to wear that, man. There it is. Right, <laughs> right. All right, brother. Hey, I appreciate the time uh, as always. Uh, I know you got a really busy schedule, and you're you got that thing. You got everything going with the Kings right now, doing a fantastic job. So next time you see Chelsea, man, you you tell her that uh, you talked to TC and uh, gave her a shout out, and I'll see her back here in a couple months. And uh, that, I think that's so cool that both of you guys are. Are working together under that uh, same banner there in Sacktown, so that is uh, that is very very cool. All right, brother, enjoy exactly. enjoy your time with the family and uh, have yourself a great New Year's. And uh, I'd like to get you in this uh, rotation here with some of our other guys here, especially as we approach uh, the rest of the NBA season, especially when the playoffs come rolling around. Yeah, let me yeah let me know when you need me. I'll definitely come back. You got it, brother. Take care, Matt. All right, buddy. Have a good one. There it is, Matt Barnes. Uh, great NBA career, fourteen years. He was that guy that didn't average a whole bunch of points, even though he scored you know, nearly 8,000 points in his career, nearly that same amount of rebounds when he played. Played for nine teams. One of the most probably misunderstood players. But he's just fiery. He was a competitor. And if you get a chance to know Matt Barnes, uh, you'll understand why guys like Kobe Bryant and, and others were just uh, really close to him. He's a great guy fun guy. And again, if you're in a circle, you understand that. But again, uh, one of those guys, kind of like Draymond Green, just wears their emotions on their sleeves. And they just, they, they love to battle, plain and simple. But Matt, that was part of the NBA championship team with the Warriors in 2016, 2017. 
and he's got himself a really nice uh, broadcast career. Check out all the Smoke podcast uh, on Showtime. And uh, that is uh, something special. And he's getting ready to renew a big contract uh, with that. So uh, more big things coming for Matt Barnes. 